Blog Talk Radio. Fox Sports. Going to have those two guys on 
hopefully at 6.30 and 7.30 respectively. Got uh, the Kentucky game last night against Georgia. And if you backtrack before that, you got the home game against Arkansas. Um, two more wins. The record continues to stay undefeated. Oh, and I also want to talk about kind of titled this episode, A Strong Weekend in Lakington, and that was definitely the case on the court when you look at what the men did against Arkansas, what the women did against number two-ranked South Carolina, hanging them their only loss in the SEC all season long, and that was the regular season finale for the women. Um, and so Matt Mitchell and company were able to get a win and, and put a loss in the SEC win column, loss column, for South Carolina. Nobody else had beaten them except for Connecticut. Uh, up there in stores. But for us, we had a strong weekend ourselves because you and I were in Lexington, uh, got to meet for the first time, got to do a That's right. little radio in addition to this show as we were on with the former great Wildcat and Cameron Mills of the Mills Show. So I think, I mean, we had a strong weekend ourselves off the court, you know, for us and for the show. And then, you know, the Cats, for doing their thing on the court that they've done all season long. Man, it was, it was just a heck of a weekend. Yeah, it was all around. Like I said, we finally got to meet face-to-face. A lot of people uh, didn't understand that we had never met face-to-face, even though we've been doing the show and, and all that. But uh, it was good to finally do that and meet Cameron uh, as well and uh, Johnny Pittman, uh, his his main right-hand man, and, and uh, be on his show, even though it was cut short. Uh, but it was it was a good time. I had a real good time. And then with the Cats taking care of business against Arkansas, uh, that made this weekend even sweeter. And then the women uh, taking care of South Carolina. So just a good all-around uh, Kentucky weekend. Yeah, man, it was it was fun. Uh, the the show was a little short. It flew by, but like I said, we still enjoyed being on. Uh, have fun, a little lunch after the show. We got to hang out a little bit. And to eat and laugh and just cut up and that was just fun to been on the radio. So I mean it was it was just a real fun day. You went and watched the game with some friends. Uh you said Saturday in Lexington. Uh, my wife and I we just we were it was a you know, mom dad weekend 'cause my boys were staying with my parents down in Harlan County. So my wife and I spent the weekend in Lexington. Uh went out and got some lunch at Malone's right there in Lexington, and then went back to the room, watched the game, then went back out and had dinner Saturday night, uh, stayed over for Sunday, and then went to the women's game uh, Sunday evening. So we had a fun time, too. Uh, Just a fun weekend all in all, and it was fun watching Kentucky against Arkansas. It wasn't quite mid-'90s as far as the outcome, as far as it being just a straight-up battle like it was back when you had Nolan Richardson and Corliss. Williamson and Scotty Thurman and those guys, Kentucky dominated from wire to wire against Arkansas Saturday. Yeah, and, and they they left no doubt. Uh, you know, it was 9-2. Uh, then Willie had that big uh, dramatic block, and he gave us the uh, WCS stare down after that. And it was never really in doubt. It bloomed up to a 30-point lead, and, and then uh, the Cats kind of put the brakes on and uh, and cruise to the comfortable lead so, or a comfortable uh, victory. So it was just a good game from start to finish. Uh, even, and I know we're going to talk about the Georgia game as well, but everything is kind of falling into place right now. Uh, I think 
you can see the guys' roles are a little bit more defined uh, than they have been, especially on the offensive side, especially in the last uh, 10 minutes or so against uh, Georgia. So everything is starting to come together at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they did a good job on, on Portis Saturday. Um, they, it was a 30-point game at one point, 78 to 48, and they just kind of, you know, glided into that 17-point win. Um, but, I mean, just from the jump, you know, 7-2 before Arkansas really could even realize what was going on, uh, and, and it, it was rolling. Uh, a lot of us, myself included, thought, you know, this was, this was going to be one of the tougher ones. Everybody talked about at Georgia being one of the tougher ones. Uh, Arkansas, you know, had the upper hand the past few meetings. Uh, Thankful this game was at Rupp instead of down in Fayetteville and all that, but it was just – it was a complete dismantling from start to finish Saturday afternoon. It, it really was. Uh, these guys kind of rise up to the challenge, and, and as of right now, there's still that uh, N.O. Uh, when you talk about their records. So it, it's very, very exciting. Yeah, and, and it turns out that – Last night down in Georgia was uh, very tough. Uh, talked about the matchups and how Georgia had you know athletes match up well with Kentucky. Uh, it was down there in Georgia. Uh, they're doing the blackout, doing the promotional stuff that every opposing fan base does when Kentucky is in town. Um, and Kentucky would spurt out to lead early in the first half. You know, really separate. You know, Georgia would reel them in. Kentucky get up five, Georgia reel it in tie and take the lead. You know, the seesaw back and forth. Uh, and, you know, end up being tied at halftime. They just couldn't run away and hide in the first half. Um, Jurisdick was methodically going about his business for Georgia. Uh, he was he was giving the bigs trouble. He was driving off the dribble. He was getting the end ones. Uh, he had a good game in Lexington, too, so it wasn't a fluke. Then he had mom and dad in the stands. You know he had a little extra pep in his step for that. It was their first time in the United States to see him play live. Right. And, you know, he put on a good he put on a good show for mom and dad. Uh, he had 18 points last night, if I remember right. Uh, he got that uh, little floater over Booker. You know, he was too big for Booker. A couple times he was too quick for Lyles. A little floater he hit right at the half to tie things up. You know that of course gave him the momentum, and I mean, I mean, kid had a good game. Right, right. Now, this is my takeaway from last night. I know we'll talk about this when we have our guests on later on. This was a game the Cats probably should have lost. Uh, it, you know, it was the, one of those special games. It was a home game. It was senior night for Georgia. Uh, like you said, Jurich had his parents watching him for the first time. Uh, the circus that accompanies an undefeated started to really kind of pick up steam. And, and Georgia, for 30 minutes of the game, were playing lights out. I mean, some of those shots they were hitting, it was just like, oh, my goodness. I mean, they were just hitting those playground shots where you just have to shake your head. And then we were missing a lot of layups, making good drives to get to the paint and just missing – uh, and being uncharacteristic with the ball. I mean, even though we uh, 
only finished with three turnovers, there were some shots that just looked out of place for the way we run our offense. So with a, you know, less than 10 minutes left, Georgia is down, or I'm sorry, Georgia is up by nine, and the crowd is rocking. The crowd is feeling it. We are on uh, upset alert. This is this is it. This is where it comes to an end. But then I'm sitting there, I'm watching, and the guys never, they never slump their shoulders. They never, uh, sometimes when you see, you know, a favorite start, uh, the game starts getting tight, they're pointing fingers or they're barking at each other. That didn't happen. Aaron Harrison comes down, hits a three, and then uh, Towns puts on a show with 17 points in the second half where he's becoming automatic. And once the Cats tied the game at 62 and Georgia started missing the front end of one-and-ones, as uh, Bomani Jones always says, that lemon booty. When the game's on the line and that shot is – you know, your shot is just a little short. I think the pressure was all on uh, Georgia at that point, and they, they couldn't they couldn't meet what the Cats were doing. I think what a lot of folks, even in our own fan base, don't understand is Andrew and Aaron learned a lot last year. They had a lot of on-the-job training. You know, we like to think about, uh, you know, Aaron's big shots, you know, against Louisville, uh, against uh, Michigan and against uh, Wisconsin. But both Andrew and Aaron played really, really well for the, you know, for the first part of those games that even put us in that situation. So they know what needs to be done. And you saw that because Andrew went on a 7-0 run uh, by himself in the second half, and uh, Aaron did the same thing in the second uh, – or in the, Andrew in the first, Aaron in the second. Uh, those guys know what's up. And they've seen it all. They've, they've played under the big lights. They know what to do, and that's totally different from a, a previous Cal teams. But last night, these guys just didn't blink. And, you know, I tweeted out last night, this was a game made for them to lose. And if they weren't going to lose this game, it's hard for me to see any kind of recipe where they, where they will lose. You know, I know it's still a possibility, but, man, you really have to feel encouraged after last night's game. And I don't – I never – I mean, call me crazy, but I never got nervous. Uh, I don't know if I had the feeling that they were going to lose for this one. I don't know if it's the games that have already happened in the past. Uh, but, you know, they had four close calls. And your Ole Miss, Texas A&M, LSU, and last night at Georgia. I never really got the nervous feeling at all last night. I had it for Ole Miss, and I had it for LSU. If I'm ranking them, you know, as far as games I was most thinking, oh, here it goes, I would say Ole Miss, LSU, A&M, and Georgia. Last night, like, and I should have been nervous, but I wasn't. To me, that was the – easiest of the close calls last night because if I'm a Georgia fan when, when Kentucky's down nine um, I'm looking at the clock you know it's still eight or nine minutes you know myself at that time <clears throat> I'm like if I'm a Georgia fan 
they got to be thinking like, my God, the clock is just dragging. <laughs> and, you, know, you know how That's you right. do when yeah. when your team yeah. is, is is winning, the, you know, the zeros can't come fast enough. I'm thinking it from their perspective. I'm like, they got to be thinking, come on, you know, Chris Berman, check, 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 check. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's still eight or nine minutes. I'm like, man, they're fine. Four or five minutes is still, you know, crunch time and tight. The nervousness never hit me. And, you know, when I'm watching close games, UK or not, if you, if I get invested, you know, if I start pulling for, if it could be two non-UK teams watching, I start pulling for one, then you automatically, if it's when it's crunch time, when you're watching, I'll get the little pitter-patter, get the nerves, just that anxiousness. And, of course, even more so when it's, you know, Kentucky in the Colts game. But I didn't get that at all last night. Now, maybe I should have, but I got it more in Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M in Georgia. But it, yeah, I was uh, DMing last night uh, with, with Tina Cox. We met Tina Saturday, too. But, you know, she writes, guess, writes for Larry Vault on Vault View. Uh, she was asking, you know, was I nervous? I'm like, no, I'm cool. And I was. I wasn't just saying it just to say it. You know, I texted with my sister. Uh, she listens to her direct message on Twitter. And I, I was I was cool, man. I, I did not get nervous at all for whatever reason. You know, maybe I should have, but last night it just didn't happen. Well, and and, and my thing is with the with the team, uh, I think they're just ready for the tournament. I think they've reached that point where there is it's, it's like okay, let's go ahead and do this. Let's just let's get this done so we can move on to. Because uh, I told my wife, I said it's like when you're studying for a, a final. And you reach that point where you say, "I've studied enough. Let's go do it." You know, you kind of you're kind of at that point where it's tired of the dry run. You just you're, you're ready for the the big uh, the big show. Uh, but the I think the play that really swung it was the missed free throw that Willie Cauley Stein was able to rebound and and slam it back home. That's when you could visibly see the Georgia players, and I've kind of touched on this before, where that doubt came in. Because up until that point, as I said, they were kind of throwing things at the basket, and it was going in. Uh, the Cats were uncharacteristically uh, late on the rotations on defense. They just looked out of it. And uh, when you're the underdog and you're playing that, that well and the uh, favorite is looking that bad, and like you said, you're up nine with nine minutes left, and you want that clock to tick. And then all of a sudden, within three or four minutes, it's a tie ball game. That's where you start to get that lemon booty in there, and you and it, and it timely. Then the pressure is on them. You know, your the cheers from your crowd kind of kind of start weighing on your shoulders a little bit. And I think that's what we saw uh, last night. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and like you said, they they were getting prayers answered. Uh, Morton threw up a three from the baseline with, with time expiring and drained it. The Frazier kid or Napier, I think it was Frazier. You know, he shot from the coach's box. Just just he. I mean, I mean, he shot it. It wasn't a he, but he just he shot it. One of those you nobody expects a guy to shoot from that deep. 
Jay Billis even pointed out, no doubt his coaches were like, you know, no, 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 no. Uh, you don't even really contest out that far, but and he, he won and made it. Uh, Thornton was hitting a little, a lot of little teardrop floaters down along the baseline, and they were just swishing those. I mean, a lot of easy stuff they got at the rim, but there were some tough shots they also hit down in at the rim as well. I mean, it was all working for them, like you mentioned. So the, the ingredients were there. The the components to keep the fans into it, for them to weather Kentucky storms, you know, when Kentucky in the first half was attempting to take the crowd out of the game, attempting to impose their will, and they get out to that five-point lead. Georgia would reel them in and then spurt ahead to a lead. Georgia would reel them in and spurt ahead to a lead and, and um, keep the crowd in it and keep everybody excited. Uh, all the ingredients were there. They went to half ties. They had the momentum because homeboy hit the shot. So, you know, like you said, it was all it was all working. Charles Barkley interviewed him. The building was cooking. And Nestle and Barkley kept talking about, you know, the atmosphere there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the hostile environment, the, the test on the road, uh, probably the toughest, the last tough road test can take your face because, you know, Big Blue will be in every venue going forward yeah. as far as the tournament is concerned. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah. all working for Georgia, and they were able to withstand all of that. Yeah, they they will not be in the blue uniforms for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they will be in, in white from here on out. So uh, so if you're going to have a, uh, um, you know, a last road game of the season, that's the that's the way to do it. Uh, but even after the game, I mean, they, they were – I think they were happy that they won, but there was no uh, excess celebration like we talked about last week with the, my Lakers, you know, beating the, the Celtics. Uh, you know, they they kind of carried on too much to Kobe's chagrin. Uh, <laughs> but the the Cats last night, they just the, they're they, I, I think, and we talked to to Cameron about this, you know, on Saturday a little bit that they kind of understand what's going on. They know what's at stake. They, you know, they're they're ready to to do this. Let's let's put these nine postseason games together. Let's do what we uh, set out to do. And, and I just get a feeling that that's what they're ready for. Yeah, yeah. And you know, all the work is in, and now it's time to to display it on the, the biggest stage. You know, SEC tournament stage, NCAA tournament stage. Uh, like you said, we've all the studying is done. Let's go execute for the final exam. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. And it's hard to believe the season is over, but come Saturday against Florida, that is what will happen. It will the regular season will have come and gone. Yeah, that's it's it's really hard to believe that uh, that we've watched this, these guys for thirty games already. You know, we even got spoiled with the five or six games, whatever it was, down in the Bahamas. Uh, but but these guys, they're they're showing us game in and game out how just how special they are. Because you look last night, uh, you know, Trey Lyles had had the hot hand the last couple of games. You know, he was he was not able to do what he had done the last couple of games. Uh, Booker, best three point shooter in the SEC. Really didn't get it done, you know, from the outside. Looks kind of overmatched a little bit. 
So hey, you got to fall back on your Harrisons. You got to, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is, is turning himself into a, a dominant low post threat. That's how we're going to win this game. Uh, you know, it's like Fox said after the first game, you can't game plan for anybody because you shut down one guy, well, you got eight other guys that can step up and, and, and dominate. So uh, that they're just showing you how tough they really are. That's right. And um, Tyler Ewis, his shot wasn't true last night. He had a, some open looks that he would normally hit, uh, and he was, he was having an off night and, and having some bad misses from what we've seen from him characteristically too. So, yeah, um, Towns and Andrew in that second half, you know, kept them afloat and were able to uh, get everything lined out and, and erase that nine-point lead and then win going away. Uh, it was a 25-8 to eight run after being down 56-47, uh, 25-8 run, 17-point swing to end up winning by eight. So that was uh, a way, I mean, a remarkable way to close things out. And, you know, they didn't get rattled. And, and get, you know, shaking at all at any point. We got uh, Scott Anderson expecting him to call in a couple minutes. So let's take just a quick little break uh, and then have him hopefully back on the line to talk a little more UK uh, in Georgia, UK Arkansas, uh, the injury to the UK quarterbacks going into spring practice. We'll like, hit on that a little bit with him. And then Jeff Drummond coming up at 732, 730 also. So uh, this is Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back.
Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. Vinny Hardy outside Knoxville, Terry Brown in our city of Louisville, the biggest city in our home state. And we are going to be joined here by our first guest this evening. Now, TB, you and I have covered a few games here and there, UK games on the road and at home. This man has covered a lot. He is a pro and knows the deal, very experienced. From Nation of Blue, Scott Anderson is on the line. Scott, you're on with Vinny and Terry on Cat Talk. How you doing tonight, Terry? Uh, doing good, guys. Uh, it's good to hear from you, Terry. Haven't seen you a little bit because, man, this weather's been crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what game was that? Was it the Ole Miss? It was Ole Miss, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. You, yeah. yeah, you were down on the other end, uh, I believe, and you came down, and uh, I don't think you sat with yeah. us back. But uh, it's good. That way you can watch the game without you hearing me, you know, uh, talk the entire game. So you got, you got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, that, well that, that's good. That's good. Because <laughs> you know me, Terry. I don't shut up very much during games, so. <laughs> no, because the, the game we did, because for folks that don't know, the upper-level media, you kind of have your assigned seats. Uh, and the game we were at, it wasn't very crowded, but there was three of us real close together, and we sat that way the entire game. We had said that we were going to spread out, Vinny, but we were kind of elbowing each other the entire game. We had no reason to. <laughs> hey, there's nothing like having people there sit and talk a game, though, especially when you sit and make fun of everybody. You know, that makes it even better. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm the, I am the rookie of all rookies compared, of course, to you, Scott, and then even uh, compared to Terry. I haven't covered as many games as him. Only, I only have one game under my belt. I did interact with you, Scott, at that game. You may remember it was, it was uh, this past – football season down in Dillon Stadium at Tennessee, and uh, you were helping me get all set up as far as the Wi-Fi and the press orange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you. Yeah, good to hear from you again. Yeah, man. I appreciate you taking the time to be on with us. And, of course, uh, I was sitting in between you. you Rob Browning was sitting in between us. I was on Rob's left. You are on his right. And it got real ugly on the field real quick as Tennessee-Kentucky games have often done and historically, and you had to get back to Lexington for a basketball game. It was early season, non-conference game, like a noon tip. Uh-huh, and you just yeah. packed it in. You packed it in and left. You said, look, I'm gone. <laughs> and that do, was do you remember up. what I said to Rob? That's the best part ever. As I looked at Rob, I feel bad about leaving games, all right? I don't – I like to go to the post game, you know, and I feel like I I should go because I was credentialed, and, you know, but come on, man, who was going to watch that video, you know? I mean, you can only get tired of Tennessee beating you so bad so many times. So I just turned to Rob, and, you know, I've been around a little bit now, and I just looked at Rob and said, Rob, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, <laughs> if you were me, and like right now, would you would you go home or would you stay? And Rob just looked at me, and you all know, everybody knows Rob Bromley. Rob just looked at me and goes, Scott, if it was me, I wouldn't even have come. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of yeah. here, dude. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best way to end it right there. I'm gone. <laughs> hey, he rolled out, Terry. He rolled out like the third quarter. He was he was out of there. <laughs> <laughs> we went down. 
Hey, uh, we did go down on the field, though. We went down to the field and stood uh, on kneeling and looked up. And uh, it's pretty crazy, 100,000 people there. But, uh, you know, and I took some pictures. But, you know what, if it's 100 more years, I, I don't think I don't want to see any that, that much orange again. So. I'm telling you. And that's how we all feel about that orange. Speaking of, what, what part of Kentucky are you from? Uh, Terry's from Louisville. I'm from Harlan County. Uh, yeah, I'm from Pikeville. I'm originally from Pikeville. Okay. Uh, I've lived everywhere up and down US 23, actually. Uh, I live in Moorhead now, and uh, I teach at Bath County High School. So I'm only an hour away from Lexington now. I took about two years off from teaching and actually did Nation of Blue full-time. And then uh, I went back to teaching, and it's my second year in Owensville. And then uh, I cover Moorhead, too. Since I live here, I'm a Moorhead State graduate. So uh, I cover Sean Woods, uh, go to all their games. Actually, if this weather straightens up and we don't have school, well, obviously the weather's got to get bad. Then we don't, it straightens up. I'm going to Nashville this weekend for the OVC tournament, and then next weekend, you know, going back to Nashville for the SEC tournament. So this time of year is crazy, guys. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you, you get a little tune-up, get, get a little OVC tune-up, and then go back for the big-time SEC. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, OVC is a great conference, guys. I think it's really underrated. You know, uh, Murray's in the top 25 now. Uh, I watched them when they came to Moorhead earlier in the year, and uh, they're good. You know, they're, they're tough. Uh, Coach Prom does a very good job. Uh, of course, Moorhead, you know, Sean, Sean's still trying to build. Uh, I think recruiting is ultimately going to be, if he, if he can ever find the right mix, uh, he knows what he's doing. You know they're competitive. Uh, they've won. They I think they won six out of eight. So they have a shot. But the bad thing is they're gonna have to win four in a row. That's pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, it, it is for those teams kind of on the bubble. Uh, you know, I'd think about you know Syracuse with Jerry McNamara. You know, winning all those games in a row in the Big East. But it's just rare to to be able to do that. Yeah, y'all better watch me, boys. I'll railroad this thing, and we'll talk about OVC. Let's let's talk some cats. <laughs> All right. Okay. Your 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 opinion, Scott, of of the Arkansas game and then what we saw last night at Georgia. Uh how are you feeling about these guys as we head into postseason play? I I think it's just a matter of time. Uh I think it's a matter of time how many more games? I don't see any team beating them. I just don't – I've watched them a lot. I get Well, every game except one, I, I missed LSU. I had school uh, commitments, you know, work commitment. But other than that, what do you – did you get nervous last night? I didn't. I, I just keep waiting for this team to find a way to win. I mean, they go down nine, boom, 7-0 run, you know. And then next thing you know, they're on a 12-0 run. You don't even realize it. Georgia realized it. They felt the pressure. Arkansas felt yeah. the pressure. They talked it. And guess what? They knew it's trouble. They don't know what to do when you uh, when you face this team, and they just comes in waves. Everybody knows it just keeps coming. You don't have a great first half. You go to Carl Towns. He dominates you. All right. If Devin Booker's on his game, you can forget it. Aaron Harrison, Andrew Harrison, are there two better guards in the country right now, guys? There's no way. Now, obviously, everybody's beatable. You know, everybody is. But this team, that they're beatable. But guess what? That doesn't mean they'll lose. All right? right. It doesn't mean they'll right. lose. Yes. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, I don't want to say that, you know, they are uh, unbeatable, but, man, the, the the level of events that will have to take place for them to lose, it's going to take a lot because you're, you're banking on seven or eight guys not showing up, and I just don't think that I just don't think that's happening. Even uh, I agree. Night, I agree for sure. Yeah. Is the biggest thing yeah. is is there's no more road games now. They're all home games now. You got at least twenty thousand Kentucky fans in every venue now. You might as well forget it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was telling my wife. I said if the if, if the cats, you know, once they get to the Final Four undefeated in Indy, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! Who who's not getting you know Christmas money together and vacation money together to go to Indy for that? I mean, oh my goodness, that that is going to be the hottest ticket to get in the Commonwealth. Uh, look, you know, looking down the road, that's going to be absolutely fantastic. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to plug it. Going by Scott Anderson from NationOfBlue dot com. Um, we were talking before you came on, Scott. And I, I saw your tweet last night, and I agree with it. When they were down nine, you tweeted out, this is why you don't overreact when you have a nine-point lead because Kentucky had erased it in just a matter of a few possessions. I, I was ranking them the close calls that they've had. You know, we were talking before you came on. Last night was the least nervous of the four. When you go back to Ole Miss, Texas A&M, LSU, and last night at Georgia, that was the least nervous of all of them that I've been last night. You know, maybe I should have been, but I didn't even get a little pitter-patter in my chest at all last night when it was crunch time. Uh, I, I was thinking the same way. You know, we, me and Anthony Weirman uh, drove all the way to Florida, you know, for the weekend. We went down and back in 48 hours, went, went to the O'Connell Center. We're down two points at the half. There's not one second where I thought there was any trouble. I mean, I know Florida's not Florida, but when you it's we're getting everybody's best as usual and I swear we make fun of Cal and the Super Bowl thing, but golly, is it any more true like last night? That watch who was that was it Frazier? One of those guys hit one from Atlanta. I mean I mean you're like they were incredible. They couldn't miss. And I'm just sitting there waiting. All right, come on. This I know this team lost to Auburn, South Carolina at home. They can't continue that. Not as good as we are. You know, we're going to make a run. There's just no question. Uh, does anybody I – don't, I, don't, I don't know. The, the team amazes me. They got me to a point where I'm so confident. I feel as confident as they are, I think, or at least as confident as they were last night. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about, Scott, with the, with the Harrisons. People forget, and I think national writers as well, they played well in the tournament. You know, everybody remembers Aaron's last second shots, but they, when they turned the corner in the tournament, that's when that team really started to excel. These guys know what they're doing. They're not going to be uh, – they're not going to get nervous on the road in Athens because they've already played under the big lights in the Final Four. So uh, I was feeling as confident as they were. Yeah, uh, somebody, uh, somebody at school today told me and said, uh, yeah, you know, the Titanic sunk, you know, that was a big perfect ship and all this. I said, you know what, though, the Titanic didn't have the Harrison twins. And <laughs> I think it's so true as last night is you all can uh, – the fans, you know, they've hated Andrew Harrison at moments. 
it, you know, it's Tyler Eulis this, you know, the national media. Oh, Tyler Eulis is better. Hey, I love Tyler Eulis. He's a freshman, guys. He's beat up. He's struggling, I think. He played great last night. He didn't score, though. He's struggling. You know, he's fighting through it. He's got he's got shin splints. He's sore. He's beat up. But guess what? Andrew Harrison has been so consistent. And just like in 2012 uh, when uh, – with uh, Marcus Teague and how he finally settled down and learned how to create for his teammates, I see Andrew Harrison kind of molded into that same little niche of finding ways. Even when he threw that one out of bounds on the alley-oop, you know, it was a misconnection. About 20 games ago, he tries to shoot that, and it probably clanks off the board. He's thinking. You know, he's trying to create for his teammates. I love that. That was a great turnover. You can have great turnovers. Yeah, and I, and I think what's also right understood now. about both of them. I'm sorry, Vinny. Go ahead. My bad. I was just I was just going to ask you, Scott, real quick. If you had to pick right now, this second today, who would be your MVP of this team, this insanely deep and balanced team? Well, I've been having kind of that discussion recently with several of my colleagues and Everybody keeps pushing Willie. I, I know he's. I guess he's a junior, and you know the national media is like Willie this, Willie that. I don't know, guys. I'm a kind of the guy that loves this. I love scoring. <laughs> I know our defense is great, but our team has really taken off since our offense has taken off. And, and if you want to pick an MVP of this team, it's probably really hard, and you'd have to do it in sections. But but like at this like at one time I would have said Devin Booker. I mean you know Devin Booker was smooth. He hits big shots. De- Devin kind of had a rough time last night. All right. If you're looking at a definite MVP at this very minute, golly, you got to go with Andrew Harrison. I, I admit, hey, I yeah, I wouldn't have never thought I'd ever say that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, right now, he, he, he's, he's smooth he's, right now, boys. He's smooth. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the straw that's stirring the drink right now. You 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 kind of have to uh, tip your hat to him right now. Oh, no question. Yeah. And, and like you know, they're, they're just such a well-oiled machine right now, though. Uh, you know, Ty, uh, Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles played awful last night, guys. But guess what? We won by eight. Guess what? Nobody remembers that he played awful. It doesn't matter. There's no pressure on this team. There's always somebody there to pick you up, and that's what Cal's been preaching every year he's ever been here. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think one of the most underrated things about the Harrisons is how they get teams into foul trouble. They get in the paint, they create contact, they force the whistle, and uh, you know Andrew in particular, he's he's a knockdown free throw shooter, and that's what you want your point guard doing at the end of the game to be that kind of clutch, get the contact, get the free throws you know, keep the momentum going. I always think, you know, I'm from Pikeville in the 15th region, and as I've always grown up, we had one guy that, well, we've had a couple, Todd May that played at Virgie. He went to Kentucky. He ended up flaming out, not you know, ended up leaving, coming back to Pikeville. But then you had, you know, J.R. Van Hoos at Paintsville, won a state championship. Kentucky never looked at him. Tubby never looked at him. He went to Marshall. He's a Hall of Famer. But other than those two guys, when I think six six, I think a big man. I think of a post player. I'm from the mountains, you know, little bitty guys. <laughs> if you're six right. six, 
you know, mountain kids can shoot. If you got a kid six six, you're putting him on the block. Guess what? Andrew and Aaron Harrison are six six. Six foot six. You're a point guard and two guard. My goodness. No wonder they cause fouls when they go in the paint. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. They're so big. Hey, a little a bad shot here and there, so what? You're right. They get bailed out sometimes. They get bailed out. That's great. And, and that's and that's the thing. They're big enough to, to get there and force the issue. That's why Kyle likes those big guards. Uh, you look at his history, guys that can just put the ball on the deck and just get to the rim. And then the defenders have to honor them. So that's that's Lob City right there. I mean, if you've got somebody stepping up off of Willie Cauley Stein or stepping off of Towns or uh, Marcus Lee, my goodness, how good did he play last night? Uh you know, he's almost the forgotten about guy, but you look at what he can do. This, this team, yeah, if they weren't going to lose last night, I don't see a, a, a situation where where they could. It's just going to have to be something where the, I, I've even tried to think. You know, I've coached basketball for a while. Uh, if it wasn't for parents, I'd probably still do it. But <laughs> that's totally a different story for a different day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> y'all know how parents are. Lord, goodness. But uh, <laughs> so it'd be great to be thirty and oh, wouldn't it? You don't have to worry about parents too much. Uh, I've been trying to devise a way. How do you beat this team? Everybody says, "Well, you got to hit all kinds of threes." Well, not if they hit a bunch of threes too, or if they score a bunch too. Well, how do you defend them? Well, you're not big enough to defend them. They have to miss layups. Well, guess what? Last night they missed layups. They missed yeah. a bunch of layups. They missed free throws. Well, guess what? It yep. still didn't matter. They still almost covered, and it was ten points. What? If you'd have told me well, that they almost covered down nine with nine minutes to go, well, I would have took that bet right then, you know, and lost yeah. again, <laughs> you know. So that that's the thing. How do you beat them? Really? That's why I think Duke uh, and Dukes they they can't defend. But I swear the only way I can see beating them is go talent for talent and you just have a night. And that's why I think Duke is the only team that has any shot in the world. But you know what? They probably won't make it to us. They'll run up on a Winthrop or, a, or you know, one of those crazy teams that they can't beat because they won't that, make it to right. us. Mercer. Yeah, Mercer. Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah, Lehigh. Yeah. Lehigh. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. yeah. I love those There's teams. There's been a lot of them lately. Oh. Been a lot of them lately. <laughs> exactly, and I love every one of them. The fact me, it's a first round trend here lately for them. Uh, hey, it's, if I can yeah, sell it's, my it's, soul, Terry, and them lose in the first round every year or not make it, God, I'd be burning. <laughs> but yeah. you know, we t- talked about this during the game. We were side by side. And up until that point, and I think it's kind of held true, is every team that they have played, they have executed their game plan. You know, uh, early in the season, uh, Buffalo slowed, slowed us down. You know, Providence slowed it down. Still won. Uh, Texas wanted to grind it out. We still won. Kansas wanted to run. We took care of that. Uh, and even Georgia, you know, Jurich, their oh, game plan was sound. And teams, you know, they do what they want to do. You know, Auburn wanted to hit some threes. And, <laughs> and, and, and yet here we are. You know, that's why Cal said after the Auburn game, you know, the way to beat us is 
by hitting threes, Auburn had 11. You know, it's just one of those things where teams are doing what they want to do, but it's just not successful. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I still don't think they can beat 2012. That's a debate for after the season because, you know, Anthony Davis is kind of throwing that salvo out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that one later, but seriously. I was there for all those games, a bunch of them, every one of them almost, and oh man, <laughs> that's that's the recipe to beat this team. You got to be as big. You got to have a ball hawk. You have to have somebody that's going to step up and hit shots, a killer. You know, somebody could. That's what it's going to take to beat this Kentucky team. Is have somebody that can block shots, block per block for what we have. Somebody like a MKG that's going to get in Aaron Harrison's grill or Devin Booker, whoever's in the game, and then someone that's just going to be able to step up and every time you need it, hit a shot like Deron Lamb did. You know, that that's the recipe probably. But where's that team? You know, that that team's not yeah. in this country. That team is not in this country right now. I just described their team. There's not another team, one of those. You know, there's not one. And that team would still have to be deep. The two, you know, the 2012 still wouldn't have the depth. Right. So, I mean, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's yeah. kryptonite. You know, it's kryptonite for every scenario that you throw at this team. You know, no matter how you try to break them down. It, yeah, it, I just it, you know, it, they bring up teams like Gonzaga and the, and Wisconsin and Virginia, and I just love how everybody tries to pull these teams out, and I'm just like. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm more scared of a team like Maryland, you know? Somebody like that. Somebody could be one of those mid-level games where they just go crazy because Maryland's athletic. You know, I watch them. They're, yeah. they're not bad. You know, Des Wells, that kid can play. When we play teams that we recruited, their players, and we didn't get them, I start worrying. <laughs> right. Right, because we wanted them too. <laughs> that yeah. means they were pretty yeah. daggone good. Kansas, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not worried, ever worried about Kansas just because Bill Self coaches them. But with Duke, <laughs> that's different. That's different because he can coach as much as I can't stand him. But look at all those players. We wanted every one of those guys except the Plumley. Thank God. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And 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 the way I said this on the show a few weeks ago, the way that he was, you know, the whole debate that Cousins might not make Team USA and Plumlee was going to make it over him, there must be another eight-year-old Plumlee coming down the pipe, and he's trying to keep relations with the family, you know, strong. Oh, you know there is. <laughs> no he's waiting question. waiting on one for, you know, 2024 to hit so he can recruit that one. <laughs> yeah, I think – I, I, I kind of picture it as like a planet of Plumleys, kind of like on uh, uh, Willy Wonka, you know, where he went and found all – that's what Coach K did. He showed up on some place like the Oompa Loompas. I mean, really, how many are there? <laughs> it's incredible. That sounds like a Photoshop of all Photoshops, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and you know somebody in the Big Blue Nation will do it. That's the thing. Yeah, put Coach K's face. Somebody will have that. K 
Coach, put Coach K's face on Willy Wonka and put a little Plumley on each one of those little. I mean, there's enough. There's a thousand of those Oopa Loopas. There ought to be enough of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, Scott, we've enjoyed you popping in to visit with us, man. We should have had you on a long time ago. Um, oh, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm so busy all the time, guys. I, if I'm not in a gym, I'm at school or in a gym. Uh, <laughs> I'm a PE teacher. I mean, that's all I do. So uh, I appreciate you all having me on. Uh, you see, you all got Jeff on next, huh, Jeff Drummond? Yeah. Yeah. You all might get yeah, something actually worth talking about uh, besides me. <laughs> <laughs> the way I am, uh, Jeff will be all professional for you. I'm I'm not going to be that. So <laughs> I'm throwing my stuff out there. Hey, we sure appreciate it, man. And hey, you're professional to me down in Neyland Stadium. I never would have got logged on to one of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I'd ever been there, man. That place is huge. <laughs> yeah, I've been well, as a I'll, fan I'll several times. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for joining us tonight, Scott. All right, appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Scott. Have a good one. All right, you too. And Scott Anderson from Nation of Blue coming in, cracking us up, and uh, in his words, opening for Jeff Drummond, who will be along at 730. But, uh, yeah, he was professional compared to what I was trying to do. I've been in the other stadium many times as a fan, but I hadn't been, you know, as a member of the media, and I, I just couldn't get logged on, couldn't get anything working, and he was already set up and and hooked it right up. So I was hanging out with him and Rob Bromley uh, watching the football game. So that was my first initiation in the press box with Scott and Rob Bromley. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I can't believe we, we compared the, the Dukes Plumleys to the uh, – Oompa Loompa to Willy Wonka, where Coach K just went to an <laughs> island and found a whole bunch of them. So there, you, there, there you go. <laughs> that's it, that's man. That's, that's right the, the nugget of the night so far, man. Yeah, you saw that coming. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, uh, one thing I was just going to follow up. I said, you know, you know, I'm saying to myself, we're talking about this team, and of course, we know last year's team with the deep run and. Then you had 2012 with the championship and 2011, uh, you know, finally getting the Final Four monkey off our back and uh, the John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins team that that made Kentucky cool again. Uh, Coach Cal has given us a lot of, of memorable teams. Uh, you know, he's been here six years, and even with Nerland's injury in 2013, that's a lot of memories right there. That's a lot of – uh, of history that he's given us in just his short time of being here. You know, he's making historical waves at Kentucky that, that we haven't seen since, since Rupp's time. Yeah, like you always say, you got to enjoy the ride. Enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, because, I mean, you, you don't want to just take it for granted and, and get spoiled because this is kind of unprecedented, and you said it. You said it once, you said it a thousand times. You even kind of written it, and then you mentioned it on this show, too. You know, enjoy what's happening. Yeah, and, and enjoy the now. You know, uh, now, uh, and I know that there are people that, that, that get into the recruiting and all that, but I'm not worried about the recruits right now. I'm not worried about who's going to come, 
you know, next year. We have, if everything goes right, ten more games to see these guys play. That's a, that's not a lot. You know, that's 400 minutes to watch these guys play. And one thing that, uh, being a, a Lakers fan, I picked up with Magic Johnson, he said that when the team starts rolling and he was getting to the finals, he's like, he, he would get sad even after a championship because he wanted to keep playing because you finally reached that point where you're firing all, all cylinders and you just want to keep it going. And it's almost uh, a, a little sad when that season comes to an end. You know, that's what my thing is, you know, 2012, the way they were playing, I could have taken a couple more games of Anthony Davis that year and that team. Like Scott was saying, the way they had gelled together, the way he, Teague had uh, come into his own, yeah, a couple more games would have been great. So let's just enjoy these next ten games. Let's cheer. Let's just let's just focus on that. <laughs> Absolutely, and and I can, I mean, even as fans, we had a withdrawal. You know, when football and basketball is over with, and then you know you just kind of got baseball until fall starts back for football. You know, when the when the finals are, are over, you you can kind of see that. So even more so for a player, especially a player like Magic, or any of the other great players who just love the game. Uh, I can I can doesn't surprise me that he would say something like that, because you play eighty two games and and ten twelve preseason games and then twenty playoff games, and then that's it. And then you just kind of boom. Season's over. Even when you win it, you can still see, you know, a player like him would be wanting to to keep it rolling because he just loves to play, loves to compete. And when it's the playoffs, you know, it's that's the the highest level. It's so intense. You see it. We see it as, as spectators. You see him out there just laying on the line, and then to go from that to the season went over, it's probably hard to to come down or wind down like that, when you don't have practice tomorrow, when you don't have shoot-around, when you don't have scouting reports for what you're going to do against Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or something like that. So yeah, definitely see that. And, and 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 what we need to keep in mind, too, you know, this is the last time we will see this team together. No matter who leaves, who stays, who comes, this collection of guys, this, this perfect mix of unselfishness and being our uh, brother's keeper, this is it. This is what we're going to get. You know, uh, let's appreciate that. Let's appreciate the way the Harrisons are, are in their groove and, and Towns is attacking. And, uh, you know, that Euless, he's, he's fighting like uh, Scott said. He's, you know, these guys were in high school. This is a little bit different, you know, uh, than what they're expected uh, to be. Um, let's, let's just enjoy it. You know, that's what, that's what I'm saying because everybody is doing whatever they can for the team to win. Uh, I think one person that, that gets overlooked quite a bit is Dakari Johnson. Uh, his numbers aren't very flashy, but uh, he's, he's a skilled big body. And his free throws, uh, he's jumped almost 25% from last year to this year. That's a testament to hard work. So don't overlook him. Don't overlook Marcus Lee. You know, those guys are, are talented in their own right. 
And as we said about Trey Lyle, there's going to be a point where we're going to need one of those guys to be one of those people to step up for us. Yeah. The way, and, yeah. And prior to last night, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Trey Lyle is going to hit his groove. He he did. You know, the two games before the Georgia game last night, there's Trey Lyle, you know, having his time to shine. Uh, no doubt it'll happen again. And, and you know, if it's as to you know, the balance and the depth, and, and like Scott talked about, the team coming at you in waves, you know. Uh, Lyle's getting his stride, and I wrote about it. You know, how many, you look at what he had to overcome to even get to his group. You, first of all, you're a high school All-American. The transition to playing as a freshman in college and being a one-and-done potentially is difficult anyway. Add in the fact that you're injured, through the Bahamas trip, and that kind of sets you back, and, you know, we don't get to see what he's about until the regular season starts. Then you got the platoon system, which is great to utilize all of the talent and getting all of the talent minutes, but it, it cuts into him getting into a groove and, and getting a lot of minutes under his belt. Then factor in that he has that strip kind of a, a injury where he's out again, and there's a whole where is Trey situation going on. So he's he's never really, in my mind, just been able to huh, let's play. This is this is how I can just play without any kind of obstacles. And when he did, we we saw what we saw at Mississippi State. Uh, we saw him playing well again against Arkansas, and you know it won't surprise me. I'm sure it won't surprise you if he has a big game in the SEC tournament or a big game in the NCAA tournament. You know, he's just as talented as anybody else. And now that he's finally healthy and kind of on solid ground, he'll be able to show it, I believe. Yeah. uh, And and that just goes to show where, I guess, potentially, you know, a lot of folks outside the program were saying that there could have been some issues with the platoons and with the minutes and all that kind of stuff. But it's worked out so beautifully. It it really has. Where statistically no one person is 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 dominating, but here's the team. And that's when the people that say that Kentucky is is bad for college basketball, no no, this is what you want. You've got all these top talents who down to our eleventh man, because Dominic Hawkins, he can he there are dozens of schools that he could start for right today. You know, the same thing for Derek Willis. Those two guys can start for a lot of college teams out there. And and I, I don't think that's very much debatable. But all those guys from from Derek Willis to, to Carl Towns, they've all bought into it. And and here we are uh watching it come to fruition. Uh there was a graphic I tweeted out the other day I mean, we've the Kentucky. We've had like uh, I think it's eight or nine different leading scores this season. I mean, that is just that's unreal. It's been Booker, it's been Harrison, it's been Towns, it's been Willie Cauley, it's been Trey Lyle, it's been whoever you know that to, to have a good night uh, and, and get us and get us where we need to be. I, I think that's to be commended and not and not frowned upon. All 
right. Well, we are here on uh, Cats Talk Wednesday. This is oh, okay. uh, Terry Red. Um, my bad. You know, I gotta mess something up every every week. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, technical difficulties. Well, keep it going. You've had technical difficulties during this streak, so so keep it going. Yeah. Well, yeah, I gotta I gotta figure it out a couple more weeks worth until we get to the the end of March. I do. I, I'll come up with something. Don't count me out. I think my face hit the mute button that time, but uh, so that was just a, <laughs> a just a <laughs> just a classic blunder there. But I had to get creative with the rest of them. You know, going forward, but uh, you talked about how you know Magic Johnson would would kind of be sad because you know they're playing so well, and then the season ends because collectively everybody's in that groove and you become a well-oiled machine. This team is looking to do that going forward into the SEC tournament, into the NCAA tournament. You know, the whole peaking at the right time, playing your best ball in March, all those cliches. That have a lot of truth to them. That's what that's what time it is now. It's March the fourth, you know, regular season finale against Florida, and then on to every every game on is tournament time. Um, I said all that because the complete opposite just happened uh, when you look at Denver and your guy, former Laker, and you know, played for the Lakers and all that. Brian Shaw was let go because. You know, his team wasn't coming together and clicking like we hope Kentucky continues to do and like Magic Lakers did. Those Nuggets just flat out quit on Brian Shaw. Uh, yesterday it was reported that they would break the huddle from timeout and say one, two, three, six more weeks as far as that's how long they had to go until the season was over, basically just mailing it in. And so, you know, for stuff like that, Brian Shaw's out of a job now, and it was just – you know, blatant laying down by the Denver Nuggets. If that's how they're breaking the huddle coming out of timeout. I don't know if you heard that or not, but, you know, you talk about Kentucky trying to peak at the right time, Denver just flat out laying down and giving up and, you know, mailing it in for the rest of the season. One, two, three, six more weeks. And then they would go out and attempt to play. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing that I think, the uh, anti-NBA folks kind of jump on when they talk about how entitled they are and that kind of thing. It's that. It's not uh, like for years the Milwaukee Bucks, they were terrible. But you could tune in and you knew they were playing to win every single night. They understood the the privilege to play in the league and, and, uh, and always compete. When I saw that, I said, that's that can't be tolerated as an owner of a team. You, you can't let – something has to happen. You have to shake the foundation. You know, I'm sorry that Brian Shaw was was let go, but that's just a – that's just a bad situation. You can't have that. You can't be asking people to spend money for, for tickets and everything like that uh, if these guys are just going through the motion. It's like going to watch a play on Broadway, and you've just got somebody kind of reading Shakespeare in that Ben Stein monologue. I mean, that's just not you, – you can't, you can't do that. I mean, you can't have people just going through the motions. So as soon as I heard that story, true or not, there had to be a shakeup there in Denver. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it, he, was a, he was a guy that – 
uh, you know, paid his dues as an assistant. You know, he was a steady player, you know, played a long time in the league, been an assistant coach. He's one of those guys where, you know, you hope he gets a shot. As a head coach, uh, there might have been, I think, if I remember right, a few jobs in Denver where his name had come up before he got hired by Denver. And you, well, I hope, you know, hey, he didn't get, you know, the opportunity there. Uh, you know, this is his first time as a head coach. Maybe he'll get another shot again. And, you know, you you learn from what happened, learn from mistakes, you learn from all experiences, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, run things a little bit better if he gets the opportunity as a head coach next time. But, yeah, that was, <laughs> you know, you, you can't, just like you said, you can't have that. But I, just, I had to mention that because that's just something you hear and you're like, What? And that that was one of those things. So I, I knew I just had to throw that out there, you know, as we always yeah, pop definitely. on to, and hit NBA and stuff anyway, like we do. That that just kind of jumped out. Um, looking forward to uh, Jeff Drummond hopefully coming on in about 16, 17 minutes, be able to talk a lot of these same things uh, with him, Kentucky, Georgia, Kentucky, Arkansas. Um the Kentucky women, we, we, we mentioned them a little bit, you know, uh, they had had a few rough patches, uh, had a three-game losing streak. Uh, they've beaten a lot of good teams this year. They've beaten Mississippi State, you know, a ranked team, highly ranked. Um, and then you got South Carolina coming in Sunday, number two in the country. Only team they lost to was Connecticut. And at the beginning of the game, it was just a defensive struggle. Nobody could really do much of anything. Uh, Kentucky was up 7-3 to three for a long time, and South Carolina went on a little spurt. Dan Smith, who covers the UK Hootcats for the Lexington Herald leader, <laughs> she described it on the tweet as a rock fight because that's basically what it was for the first 10, 12 minutes. Uh, and then the scoring kind of picked up. Uh, Kentucky went ahead 27-22 to 22 at the half. Second half opened it up and even had a 20 point lead there for a, a little bit. South Carolina, of course, being the good team they are, they made a few runs at them, but, but Kentucky was able to keep their composure. Um, when it was at seven, that's one of those danger times. You know, if they get another bucket and cut to five, uh oh, you know, th- that pressure that we've been talking about that the Kentucky men no, don't no feel. Booty. It would have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it would have. Started to creep in. If they cut it to five or four, you know, just a two possession game, you know, with six eight minutes left, you know, then you see a little yellow, little lemon, a little acid of the lemon booty forming. <laughs> but they never, <laughs> they never allowed it to happen. You know, South Carolina got no closer than seven. You know, Kentucky pushed it on back out. And, and they won by 11, 67-56. So that was the uh, regular season finale. They go into the SEC tournament. Uh, as strong as they are, they go in as a six seed. And they've beaten several top 15 teams. But that's just it's just how strong uh, the women's side is in the SEC. I wrote a piece about it kind of recapping the game Sunday. And I compared the SEC women's draw in the SEC tournament to, like, the Western Conference in the NBA. Uh, Tennessee is top five. South Carolina is ranked number two. Mississippi State, Texas A&M in the top 15. Kentucky is ranked number 12. I mean, all of these teams at the top are are strong. And, you know, Kentucky is a 60 in the SEC tournament. That that's just shows you the depth of the league. 
Oh, it it, it really does. Uh, and it just goes to show, you know, even nationally, a lot of folks like to focus in on the SEC football run uh, that the conference has had. But the SEC is pretty good at a lot of things. When you look at even women's basketball, and you can even look uh, over the last 20 years at men's basketball between Kentucky and Florida, that's a lot of uh, championships, um, you know, that I think compare well to other, camp- uh, other conferences. Uh, baseball is always is always good. So uh, from women's basketball and all around, that's a pretty good – and I, I think Florida or Alabama, one of those teams, won the softball championship. So, SEC wins in a lot. Yeah. And one thing that jumped out, too, going into the game Sunday against South Carolina, uh, before before South Carolina, they beat Arkansas down there. That's That snapped the three-game losing streak. But the seniors had a meeting with Coach Mitchell, uh, Jennifer O'Neill and Major Bishop and, and – that group had a kind of just a seniors only slash coach meeting, and they were just talking about kind of getting things back to the way they were when they were underclassmen. A couple of things that just slipped. They wanted to make sure everything was tightened up, and that leadership was where it needed to be when they left, and then that the rest of them could kind of carry it on and keep it going for next year and for the remainder of this year. Uh, and we see that it worked well. They were able to come out and, of course, knock off the number two team in the country. So um, um, the, the focus by them and then, of course, Coach Mitchell being willing to kind of listen to what they had to say, credit him for that too, and it paid off for all of them. Yeah, and uh, we can't talk about the women's game uh, without the little controversy at the end. Uh, with Don Staley, the South Carolina women's coach, and and her little tirade, if you will, at the end of the game, you know, with the cats up, with I think it was about forty five seconds. Is that is that right? You know, kind of in that area, less than a minute. Yeah. And Coach Mitchell calls the timeout uh, to recognize the seniors, and and she's livid because he she assumes he's trying to run it in, uh, rub up the score, that kind of thing. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, they do that all the time. That is a customary senior day, a customary – I mean, they do it uh, for everybody. I I don't see – and I know she came back and apologized, but my thing is how do you not understand what's going on in real time? It's not like it's a a strange custom that only Matthew Mitchell is doing. You you take your guys out, you give them that curtain call. You know, I'd I'd fancy to uh, go on a limb and and say on Saturday, if the Cats are up a healthy margin and, and our seniors get in there, uh, that they would get the same curtain call. I, I I'm not sure where the where the issue is with that. And um, I was uh, in a couple tweets with with, uh, Mark Story of the Hurl Leader, and maybe we could try to have him on at some point. Uh, He was there covering the game, too, and he wrote an article, wrote a column, just kind of had several little bullet points and notes in it, and he mentioned that occurrence with, you know, Don Stanley getting upset. 
And in his piece, he wrote that this wasn't the first time that a coach had been upset at Coach Mitchell for doing that, you know, getting, you know, some players out, calling the timeout. He said that Tennessee's head coach, Holly Warlick, uh, had kind of been upset about the same thing and even went to Twitter after the game and said, you know, 42 seconds left, uh, I'll remember that, uh, when a similar situation had occurred. <clears throat> My thing was, I think you saw me tweeting to Mark about it, is these coaches, you know, Don Staley, I mean, back when we were, you know, hey, we always flash back at some point in the show. You know, I'm 12, 13, 14. Don Staley is a point guard in Virginia. She is a straight-up baller. She could ball. And she's now, you know, stopped playing and become a successful coach. I think she was at Temple before she came on down to South Carolina. Um Holly Warlick been an assistant for Pat Summit, the winningest coach of all time for years. She was, you know, an assistant coach forever. So these ladies have been around the game for a long time, been around winning basketball for a long time. No doubt, you know, especially Coach Warlick, she saw Pat Summit call timeout after timeout after timeout to get, you know, Shamika Hose call and Shamika Kitchings and, Carol Lawson out of the game, you know, if they're blowing somebody out. No doubt she's been on the winning side of that for years and years and years. So the fact that both of them would get upset when, you know, it's done to them, I don't understand. And even if they are focused on the game, there there should be somebody, and I tweeted this to Mark Story too, there, there should be somebody on the staff that if they're trying to get upset, hey, hey, coach, you know, let them know what's going on and make, let them be, make them aware of of what's happening. So it's it's just kinda of weird that no doubt they've done it and called timeouts when they're blowing somebody out and yet you know, both of them got their feathers ruffled when it happened. Yeah, and that's that's what just bothered me is that it took a, a day or, or so for Staley to uh to kinda oh, okay, that's what he was doing. I mean it it was obvious. Uh and like the it's, it's a custom that I've seen from high school all the way up. You know, home game, you know, you see it a lot. Uh, you know, even, you know, in the pros, you know, somebody's last game, uh, you get that extra curtain call. You know, we saw it with Derek Jeter. You know, they held up his last game so he could acknowledge the crap. You know, there's things like that that just goes along with it that I just don't see it being a big issue. Yeah, it's it's weird they weren't aware. Or like I said, if they're just where you know you're coaching and you're down, and you're trying to you know win and catch up to the very last second. But somebody on the staff has got to let them know if they're that tunnel vision and focus on what's going on. Somebody on that bench has got to be aware. If the coach is not themselves, somebody has to know. To at least remind exactly. them. Some, somebody's got to know what's up. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Uh, 100% agree with that. Just saw on Sports Center, QB Brown was talking. Anthony Davis is set to return against the Pistons uh, as the Pelicans still try to get in for that eighth spot and fight for it in the Western Conference. So definitely hope AD uh, has kind of got shoulder issues behind him and is able to finish strong this time. Uh, going to be getting a lot of contact once again, and he kind of just banged it when he went out a few weeks ago after resting it, you know, skipping the All-Star game and all that. Uh, kind of banged it a little bit, and that's re-aggravated everything. So hopefully he's good to go 
uh, and I hope he's able to finish the season strong. Oh, definitely. You you, you want to see uh, him. It was just sad he got he wasn't able to participate in All Star Weekend, but uh, I have a feeling that he'll have a um, a few more All Star games to make. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And just saw where um, John Clayton was talking. It's looking like Randall Cobb, who did not get franchised, may be leaving Green Bay. Um, that would be a huge hit to that offense. You still got Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy and all those guys, but Cobb has put in work, and, you know, he's become one of the best young players in the league. Just 24 years old. Wow. I mean, and the possibility of him just hitting the market already, uh, I, that would kind of surprise me. I thought they would lock him up, do whatever they needed to. But uh, if he leaves, that that would surprise me. As a Cowboys fan, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Just go anywhere but Green Bay. <laughs> what did what you think if he actually walks? Would you be surprised if you think they'll, they'll have some kind of 11th hour deal to, to keep him in green and gold? I, I don't know. You know, the thing is, is Green Bay going to do uh, – do they think that they're like uh, – the Patriots, where as long as they've got Aaron Rodgers, they've got pretty much interchangeable pieces. Uh, I don't know if that's their thought process, but uh, my thing is with the NFL, you got to make your money when you can. Uh, loyalty only takes you so far, and I think it's just fantastic um, that uh, that we've got a Kentucky alum uh, going out there and. Uh, uh, you know, kind of dominating a little bit of the uh, NFL free agent news. Yeah, because, um, you know, Des Bryant as a wide receiver with the Cowboys, that was big news. But uh, Randall Cobb, I mean, that is that is huge news too. And surprising to me if he, you know, he wasn't franchised. And, you know, he's making headlines just like Bryant, just like Indomitian Sue, who, would command Buku the money had the Lions franchise him. But, I mean, everybody's trying to see if they can come up with the cash since Sue is going to hit the market. So you got, you know, Randall Cobb, Sue, Dez Bryant, all these young guys, and Randall Cobb's right there, right there holding his own with all of them, like I said, making news in the free agent market. Exactly. That, that's definitely – uh, that's something that uh, Stoops and company, as we've kind of said before, um, the teams haven't always been spectacular, but we have produced great uh, talent on the next level. Absolutely. Um, and your 49ers, all it says is just a meeting, nothing, no uh, you know, offer or deal or anything been done, but the 49ers are meeting with a familiar foe, and defensive tackle Daryl Dockett. I mean, you guys saw him twice a year as a member of the Cardinals. Uh, they let him go, release him, and he met with the 49ers. So would you want to see him work something out or your thoughts on your team talking with Dockett? Well, with, with Dockett, the last thing I saw earlier today is uh, because I believe Justin Smith uh, 
defensive lineman who's just a big old country. He is country strong uh, from Missouri. Uh, <laughs> are they bringing Dockett in to pair with him, which would be fantastic, uh, seeing as how we'd get our, our linebackers back and and hopefully Alden Smith can stay stay on the field, or would they be bringing him in to replace Justin Smith? So uh, I think it's going to be one of those things how they can finagle uh, finagle with the uh, with the salary cap. Uh, I'd still like to see him strengthen up uh, the def- defensive backfield either through the draft or free agency. But um, you know we've touched on this uh, previously that. When it comes to championships in professional sports, you get that window, and you've got to do everything you can when you've got the parts in place because you don't know how long that window is open, and when it closes, it's shut. So uh, I hope they re-sign Frank Gore and, and give this another, uh, you know, next season, another Super Bowl or bust season, see if we can get back and, and get that uh, sixth championship. There's um... – Justin Smith, his, his defensive, his defensive tackle, or in, or both. They 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 rotate him around so much. He is usually opposite of Alden Smith, who is in and kind of stands up a little bit from time to time as well, uh, because you really have to double team Justin Smith. Uh, you know they kind of move everybody around. Uh, Dorsey got hurt uh, last year, and that's what really kind of helped. The uh, the run defense in particular, because the defensive line has always been very, very good. The linebackers, because uh, just like Seattle, the Niners really stay in their base defense for 75 to 80% of the defensive snaps. Their defense is just that good. So uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure how uh, Dockett will fit into the, uh, uh, fit into the program, but uh, as I said about you know my Lakers and my 49ers, I'm not really sure what ownership is doing in either place right now. With um, with talking to Dockett, or if it's not Dockett, maybe it's some other interior lineman. Is that also uh, you know trying to cushion the blow because you know Ray McDonald's not with the team anymore either, so isn't they would have to bring in somebody to kind of fill his spot too, right? Right, right. There's going to be some shuffling around, uh, but I still think there are enough core pieces to at least see if we can't get that window open, uh, you know, for next year and maybe the year after. Uh, but really it's going to be on can Kaepernick make that leap? Uh, can he perform against everybody like he does against Green Bay? That's the thing. Um so we'll see. Uh, like I said, I'm not really sure of the game plan, but hey, you know, I'm I'm going to be for my team regardless. Yeah. And in other news, you know, stories that are going to have me nauseated, you know, being a rod. Got an update on my phone. You know, you got updates of this and updates of that, scores and news. Got an update that he singled in his first at bat in spring training. Oh, and I'm already sick of it. So I'm like, man, you know, so, uh, you know, A-Rod's going to be, to me, shoved down our throat for, you know, good, bad, worse, indifferent. And talk about something I couldn't care less about, and that's whatever he does this year. 
Well, it, the, the funny thing is, with all the A-Rod stuff, uh, the, the, the Yankees are still on the hook for quite a bit of money. And if he's able at all to reach any of those um, uh, kind of um, milestones, I think I saw where they were trying to get out of that. Uh, that's just going to be crazy. Yeah, and you know, I didn't, I didn't have to see the update that he got a single in his first at bat of the spring. <laughs> Y'all can really, but I mean, I know he missed all last year, but you know, he did it to himself. So, you know, I'm already tired of it, Rod. We ain't even ready for baseball to start yet. Speaking of, of baseball. And before we, you know, I forget, and the season does start, you know, I know you're a man of many hats. So you got the TV, you got the Bay Rays hat, you got jerseys galore, hats galore. You're a bow tie guy. If everybody didn't know, now they know because they saw you on Twitter personally and on our show Twitter. You know, this coming Saturday, he was rocking the bow tie, and you're always rocking the bow tie. But as far as MLB teams, are you going are you going to roll with a team this year? Just going to kind of roll with a hat, you know, just kind of keep the MLB hat game rotating? Are you going to pick your it, team it, and kind of ride with them? It, well, it, I tell you, it, it's fun aggravating people just because you know I've been wearing my uh, uh, my Giants hat uh, for pretty much uh, all this off season, so. Uh, I've been just do it. It's fun going that way. Uh, I'm just not sure who to uh, who to jump on. Uh, you know, our good friend Matt May. Uh, he's a Giants fan, so he's happy. You know, and he invited uh, me on their bandwagon in the middle of the summer. Um, but I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I'm going to go with uh, because I do need to pick up a couple of uh, new caps they have. Uh, this year, so I'm just not sure uh, who I'm going to roll with. Uh, I like Tampa Bay because I like the TB, uh, obviously, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I knew I was going to have to ask you just to just to kind of fill you out and see what the thought process was, you know, because I, I knew you were MLB, just kind of a free spirit, and you just you know you had the hat, so I was, I was just going to check and see. <laughs> Because so, of my Expos. They took my Expos away. Oh, that was your team? Yes, they took my Expos away, oh. and I've been a free agent ever since. Yes, sir. Oh. Uh, with uh, Moist Lou, Delano, DeShields. Heck, yeah, Expos, man. Because literally I knew no one else that was an Expos fan way back when. So that's why I <laughs> hopped on the Expos bandwagon, and, and then they took my team away. Wow, that um... – that is that kind of clears it up now. No wonder. I mean, uh, in in '94, I I felt bad being a Braves fan. You know, I felt bad. You know, first of all, everybody was upset about the strike that year, but I felt bad for the Expos because I knew I was a, you know I was 16, 17. I was objective enough to know. I'm not trying to brag or pat myself on the back, but when you know your team, you know your team. My Braves were not going to catch the Expos that year. Montreal was loaded. Um, yeah. Like you said, uh, Moise Lou, was it Larry Walker and Andres Galarraga, and I think Pedro yeah, Martinez was up there for a little bit. 
uh, they Randy Johnson came up through. Yeah, I mean, they really had some talented people uh, come through. And, uh, you know, I've kind of uh, opined that had they at least been able to make a World Series in 94, and there was a great shot of that, uh, mm-hmm. that I think they would have been able to, to stay in Montreal. We still have the Expos today. And Gary Carter and Tim Raines. Yeah. You said the, yeah. the, the line on the shield. Uh, Larry Walker. <laughs> I mean, they were loaded. And, not, and you know, Atlanta gets credit for the all-of-division titles they won in a row. Uh, but in 94, they were not going to catch Montreal. It just, it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Montreal had the East locked up that year, and that was the off season. They they started letting guys go, and then you know the bottom kind of fell out. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and once the Expos left, I've kind of been a free agent. You know, I've got all the caps. I, I wear some more than others. Um, I think the one cap I never really wear is uh, is Red Sox. I'm I'm an anti-Red Sox fan, just because oh. of their fans. So I, I will rarely wear the uh, uh, my Red Sox cap. But uh, you know, it just depends on what shirt I'm wearing. That's that's the the cap I'll go with. And the the Boston hat's even got a B on it. It doesn't have a T B, but it's got a B. But you still just yeah, can't get no, it. I just it's Ooh. just it's just Boston. Uh, I like that the Orioles have brought back the cartoon bird on their caps. Uh, <laughs> That that's a good throwback. Uh, I've still got a Florida Marlins cap uh, with the with the fish on it to go next to my Miami Marlins. Um, but yeah, you you name it, you know, and I've I've got them all covered. I've got uh, the Braves. I've got two Braves hats. One with the uh, small cursive A from Hank Aaron's days, and then right. I've got the uh, A with the red bill. Uh, with the flag on the side that they issued in, uh, after 9-11. So, yeah, I'm a connoisseur of caps, if you will. So <laughs> you, you you can't catch me, you know, you know, flat-footed on anything. Absolutely, absolutely. And I had a um, – well, me and my dad had a chance to go to Boston. I um, – I guess I wasn't really a huge fan. I was I was kind of a fan. My dad was a big Mets fan. The first World Series I ever watched and remember watching, I was I was eight going on nine in nineteen eighty six when, you know, Bill Buckner had the ball go through his legs uh in game yeah. six and the Mets came back and won in game seven. I was I was pulling for Boston. I felt sorry just just for the way that whole thing unfolded. Uh, so that kind of made me feel sorry for Boston. And then, you know, as you get older, you learn about big open drought and, you know, the whole curse of Babe Ruth and all that. So in 2004, because I was pulling for him to win in 2004, the Yankees had a 3-0, they came back and won four straight. In 2007, my dad and I had an opportunity to go up to Fenway for a couple of games. It's one of those whole bucket list trips. Um I think it was July. We caught two regular season games. Um, they played like on a Monday. They were off on Tuesday and played again on Wednesday. So we have Tuesday. We just kind of messed around and checked out Boston. And uh, unfortunately, they were playing Tampa Bay. You know, the TVs were in town, 
Uh, but got to see Johnny Damon and Manny and uh, Dice K and Josh Beckett pitch both of those games. So it was that kind of softened me and made me pull for them every time they were in the World Series. So I got a little bit of different experience. Uh, and, and Fenway was cool. It was just cool being able to say I've been up there to that old ballpark. You know, it's over 100 years old now. So it was just one of those things you always going to remember, you know, you know, one of the cool trips. We are efforting Jeff Drummond. Uh, not sure if he's going to join us or not. We'll still keep trying. But um, still listening to Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network on blocktopradio.com. Um, other news, LaShawn McCoy is no longer an Eagle. He is now traded to Buffalo uh, for a linebacker that didn't even play last year, Kiko Alonzo or something like that. Uh, so... I mean, basically a contract move, but I still, I just don't understand Philadelphia getting rid of him. As a Cowboys fan, I'm happy to not have to see McCoy twice a year, but this move right here, I mean, wow, Chip Kelly, I just, uh, you know, I guess he just trusts his system and thinks he can still be okay. But we'll see, man. What was your thoughts when you saw that one? Well, number one, I think, the NFL shifted from when you and I were growing up where you you had to have a stud running back. That was the way to get things done. That was that was what you needed. Your your Walter Paytons, your your Emmett Smith, uh, even Roger Craig who uh, was able to do a lot of things out of the backfield for my Niners. But as we've kind of made the quarterback the be all end all and then and the rules have kind of changed uh and you see what New England's been able to do without a prime time runner and really without a top flight receiver. Uh, you know, the running back position is, is is pretty devalued. Even, you know, your thousand yard, you know, twelve hundred yard rushers. So, you know, I'm thinking does does Chip Kelly think he can get a, a, another back to kind of give him, you know, eighty percent of McCoy's uh production I, you know I don't know or it could be a situation where like we saw from Pete Carroll uh in the Super Bowl a coach just outsmarts himself so you know that's something uh to be on the lookout for as well yeah so and that's you know he might just know exactly what's going on and and be cool but that's I know it's a, a passing league and all that but man um, so, I mean, they, maybe they plug somebody right in there and, and don't miss a beat. But uh, we'll see now um, Rex Ryan has at least a you know, bona fide running back, and odds are he'll probably have him playing good defense. Don't know what they're going to do with quarterback, but uh, he does have McCoy back there in the backfield, and, and we'll see what he lets his coordinator do as far as the offensive side of the ball because he doesn't really mess with that. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and people forget that Rex did have a Mark Sanchez quarterback team in back-to-back AFC championship teams relying on on defense. So uh, I'm not saying that uh, Buffalo is going to be world beaters next year, but don't be surprised if he can uh, kind of turn that franchise around a little bit. Uh, I think they're on the longest drought of not making the playoffs in the NFL right now. 
So, you know, they, you know, getting them in contention in a couple of years could be a pretty big uh, move for Rex Ryan. Yeah, and, and the thing about it, he's still in the AFC, um, AFC North, AFC East, rather. So, uh, I mean, he's familiar with all the opponents. You know, it's going to be fun when they go back and play his old team at Jets twice. And, you know, Rex is going to be Rex. He's still going to be popping off and talking trash to the uh, <laughs> to the Patriots, even though the Patriots still won more often than not. So it's <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it, you know. He's still going to be talking to talk, and we'll see if he can halfway walk the walk. Uh, definitely. And another piece of news I just saw, uh, and this kind of takes me back a little bit, it's the 25th. Uh, anniversary uh, of Hank Gathers uh, dying on the uh, on the basketball court, uh, therefore Loyola uh, Marymount. And for some of the younger uh, guys uh, and ladies that listening that may not know, uh, Loyola Marymount they were scoring 140 points a game in, in regulation college games. Uh, Mike D'Antoni and the Suns had that seven seconds or less, but uh, with Bo Kimball. And with Hank Gathers, Loyola Marymount that year, or those couple of years, they were a high-scoring team. Uh, and for him to die on the court, I remember that uh, just being a huge, a huge thing. Uh, because right around that time, you had Hank Gathers that died, and you had Reggie Lewis in, in Boston that, that passed away uh, as well. So there was a lot of concern. I remember, you know, playing basketball and that being a kind of a concern, what you know, what is this? You know, so it's been 25 years uh, since that uh, tragedy. So, um, yeah, we're dating ourselves now. Yeah, that was, and I mean, sports center isn't the way it is now, but that was just all over the place. That story, um, just just unreal. You know, to see such a athletic guy like he was, in shape like he was, and, you know, playing in that system, playing that style, you know, up and down the way they did, you know, you had to be in shape. And to see that happen, you just couldn't believe it. You really couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe what you were seeing. You couldn't believe what you were hearing. I mean, you know, even if we were grown-ups at the time, it still would have been shocking. And the fact that we were 12 when it happened, it, that just, you know, added to it even more. Yeah, because I, I can remember, uh, you know, Bo Kimball shooting the, his free throws in the NCAA tournament uh, left-handed that year as a tribute to his buddy. So that was, uh, uh, was kind of one of those where-are-you-now moments uh, because ESPN was still kind of in its infancy and didn't have a habit of, of beating things into the ground. Uh, but I just remember just, uh, <laughs> you know, just watching the coverage and just how do you just die playing basketball? I mean, that 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 was kind of hard to compute. Yeah, and then you mentioned uh, Reggie Lewis, and then, you know, Reggie was just a few years after, you know, of course, Lynn Bias, and we talked about him quite a bit, you know, a few shows ago. But, you know, Lynn and Reggie, you know, you put them back on the Boston team, 
and it's hard to see them being as bad as they were for such an extended period of time. You know, Larry Bird was near the end anyway, but, you know, the, the torch would have been passed a little bit more gracefully, you know, to those two guys who kind of be cornerstones for the franchise through the 90s instead of having to go and be awful for as long as they were until the early 2000s or late 90s when you got Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. You know, but the early 90s, it just, you know, late 80s, early 90s. 92, yeah, after Mikhail and Burke kind of retired, then they had that spunk where they just weren't relevant at all. And that wouldn't have been the case. It'd be hard, it'd be hard to say that that would be the case if you got, uh, you know, a Lynn Bias and a Rich Lewis in Boston. Yeah, and and that's the thing that uh, uh, that Boston kind of missed out on because up until that point, much like the the Lakers, they had succession plans. You know, they had won titles. You know, all those titles with Kuzi uh, and, and with Bill Russell, and then the seventies with Dave Cowens, and and you know, still winning championships. And they're fortunate enough, you know, Larry Bird and Dennis Johnson, all those kind of guys came together, uh, but then with Lynn Bias and, and Reggie Lewis, that kind of left them really, you you see what happened to their franchise. I mean, it was, a, you know, from 84 to uh, 2008 before they were able to, uh, you know, get back to the finals and, 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 and win it. Uh, and so, I, you know, I'm just afraid that that's going to end up happening to my Lakers. <laughs> There's just no succession plan for Kobe, and, and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Speaking of the Lakers, they are on TV in about 10 minutes against the Heat. They are at home in the Staples Center. Would you rather this game not be televised? Uh, I probably won't watch it. Uh, Just (laughs) because last time (laughs) – don't get me wrong, I'm not a fair-weather fan, but uh, I don't know who these guys are. You know, uh, back in 2008, when the uh, Lakers and Celtics played in the finals, and Game Six in Boston, where the Lakers just got embarrassed—I mean, just that clinching game—I don't. It could have been 50 points. I don't know, but it was never close from the first quarter going on. I sat there and watched the entire game. The same way I watched, you know, Robert Morris uh, when uh, Billy G was here. I, I'm not a fair weather fan when it comes to that. But this, I don't know. These aren't Lakers guys. These aren't no. guys that 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 you know. And Swaggy P picking a fight with Robert <laughs> Flores on ESPN. He made a uh, Flores made a joke about Iggy Azalea. I don't know what this is. But these aren't my Lakers. These, the, yeah. I mean, the, the the Lakers that 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 I know, bigger than life. You, you know, Shaq bigger than life, and Kareem Magic, and you've got Jack Nicholson. I I I, I don't know what's going on, but I probably will not watch the game. Not because yeah. they're losing, but because I don't want to see this foolishness. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, that's. Like you said, the ownership, you question the ownership and the direction of both your teams. And, you know, the guys out there wearing the purple and gold, they they give you reason to feel that way right now. So 
and, and you know, and even uh, you know when I was younger, when we you know, on Magic, uh, you know, had to retire the first time, and, and James Worthy and Byron Scott, those guys got old. You know, I was watching every game I could. You know, it wasn't quite on as much as it is now, but I, I you know, I didn't give up uh, that. But I don't know what this is because I don't see what the next move is going to be. Yeah. Man. It's spinning their wheels right now. But um, speaking of the Heat, they're playing the Lakers, and the Heat is the last team Ray Allen played for, uh, and he's decided to retire, well, sit out the entire year. You know, he was kind of looking and, and sitting by the phone and checking out best-case scenarios to join a club and make a playoff run. Uh, but Cleveland and Golden State and the Clippers and Atlanta and just uh, not really clicking for any of those spots for him. And you know, he might have been wanting to see if he'd be on the floor at the end of the game or how his minutes would be. So he's not going to play. You know, you, you kind of had him sitting there waiting in the wings all year, but now he's decided he's not going to jump on and finish out the season for a title run with anybody. Well, and I'm a Ray Allen guy. I, I liked him when he was at Connecticut. Uh, a lot of people, you know, now toward the end of his career, think of him as a just a, a jump shooter. But when he came out of Connecticut and he was in Milwaukee, uh, he was an all-around basketball player. I mean, he was he was a Jesus, you know, and he got gave you know, the movie. And <laughs> The what happened to him was, you know, being in Milwaukee when they weren't very good, and being in uh, Seattle, kind of post the Sean Kemp Gary Payton run, uh, people forgot about him. You know, you see his numbers, but you weren't seeing him do anything because it, I just remember what would happen at the All Star game is, you know, he'd come out score 15, 16 quick points, and then you say, oh, yeah, Ray Allen, he's, he's good. And then he would go back <laughs> off to uh, Wisconsin or the Pacific Northwest, and you forgot about him uh, until he became to Boston, and, you know, his skills had eroded a little bit, but he still had that shot, could still do something. Uh, and I'm just, as being a fan of his, I'm just disappointed that that's going to kind of be his legacy, is that you know, that shot he hit game six against the uh, Spurs for the Heat a couple years ago and those big shots he hit in Boston. But he was an all-around basketball player. Uh, he, he really was. I've got a Ray Allen Connecticut jersey that I have not worn since 2011 because it's Connecticut and I'm not wearing anything. <laughs> so I haven't worn it. <laughs> that one I haven't worn. But uh, I, I'm a Ray Allen fan. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sad to kind of see him hang it up. Uh, so that just leaves Kobe from the draft class of 96, last last man standing, you know, when he comes back next year. Yeah, yeah, man, that is, <laughs> wow. It's happening in every sport. You know, it's already the same thing, you know, in baseball. Jeter might have been one of the last guys left that – Started playing in the '90s or something like that. Um, it, it, I mean, it's crazy how it does. It just kind of sneaks up on you like that. But um, 
Yeah, Kobe's the last guy from that draft class. That is, wow, that is crazy. Um, speaking of, before we close out the show, we are going to be joined by our guy, Jeff Drummond, um, writes for scout.com and the All Wildcat site as well, at UK on Twitter. Jeff, you're on with Benny Hardy and Terry Brown. Appreciate you hopping on with us for a couple of minutes. How you doing tonight on this snowy night? Oh, man, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Sorry to, to delay you guys. I got sent out for emergency pharmacy runs before the snow set in and uh, took off, and I, I think I got the wrong number. Uh, so I was I was hoping you guys would call me, but you may not have had mine either. Oh, no problem, man, no problem. That Hey, that kind of emergency stuff comes first at a time like this. You can you can worry about us two guys <laughs> at a later date. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's already worse than the last storm. I don't know where, how it is where you guys are, but this wet, slicky, you know, this is a mess yeah. compared to the last one we had. It was just powder last time. Yeah, I, I'm in Louisville, and we had that kind of rain all day, and all of a sudden, about uh, five or six, it started changing over. So it's snowing now, but uh, but enough about the weather. Uh, we had Scott <laughs> Anderson from Nation of Blue on, uh, Joe. What's your take on the Arkansas game and and what we saw last night against Georgia for the Cats? Are you encouraged for the postseason run? You have some concerns. Kind of where are you sitting right now? Well, I I think I'm overall encouraged uh, by what I've seen. I I don't think you can take it any other way. Uh, you know, when the team's thirty and zero and they've passed every test that they've been, uh, you know, have put in front of them. Uh, the big thing for me, that, that Arkansas game kind of demonstrated to me just how uh, formidable that bunch is if you tell them ahead of time you guys are in trouble <laughs> or the other team talks a little bit uh, because they just came out and, and, and absolutely crushed Arkansas. And I think the best bet for an opponent of Kentucky uh, when it gets into the tournament is to fly as far under the radar as possible <laughs> and to have Kentucky <laughs> – exactly. Exactly. Not really, you know. I would be a little more concerned about a second round game, that eight nine seed winner, than I would, um, y- you know, the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight. And you know, I've heard a lot of people saying that that it's that second game that, that could, you know, possibly be the most difficult, uh, depending on where their uh, their focus is. So I could definitely see that. Well, you know what. A second-round game is going to be a lot like an old Miss team that gave them some trouble, or a Georgia, which we saw, you know, twice really played uh, Kentucky extremely well. And uh, uh, that's going to be the one, I think, uh, when we sit down on Selection Sunday and start looking at things, how good an 8-9 matchup uh, will they end up with? Because there's a big difference in those. I looked at Bernardi's brackets today, and uh, there's a pretty big difference in the uh, at least perceived quality of, of those eight and nine teams. So uh, I, I, I kind of, because Vinny and I are old now, uh, but I remember, <laughs> you know, Jordan, uh, when he was with the Bulls, he would always make sure they were focused on the first round game or the first round matchup, end it quickly so you can rest up. So, what I would like to see is whoever we have, you know, is that 16 seed, take care of them relatively easy, 
So you, you you're not exerting yourself for that full forty minutes for that you know eight nine game. Yeah, exactly. And I think the good part about that for the Cats is, you know, you're looking at a team that can go nine or ten, even eleven deep in that first round game probably, and and uh, be okay and have your legs for the second game and, and be at maximum efficiency. So uh, that's one thing where these platoons, if if Cal kind of sticks with them, he He's had to get away from it on occasion, but for the most part, he's, you know, started five and had a new five at halftime or a new four with one starter. And uh, I think he'll probably go that route again uh, for at least that first game. But after that, anybody's guess. Right, right. We might we might see another tweak. <laughs> uh, he, he might need another tweak. You know, I, that's the one really. I and uh, am, am I right? That that game could be in Louisville possibly. Is yeah, is it where yeah, Louisville, is, uh, Louisville could it, be Louisville, it, Cleveland, and Indy. Yeah. So at least they'll have the uh, you know the little extra fan push behind them to to get them over the top. But that's a tough one. If uh, if you had to pick right now, Jeff, we asked Scott Anderson the same thing. Uh, who is your MVP on this team? As deep as it is, who would you pick to be your MVP if you had to pick this second? That's that's a good one, it, and it would it would be kind of different than my best player. It would be Willie Cauley Stein, is the only guy I think that they can't lose to either foul trouble or a freakish injury, something of that nature. They have no replacement really for the things that he does. Uh, but Carl Towns right now has come on and become their best player and their most dominant guy. Uh, but I still think you know if you had something happen with Carl. You've still got a couple of other guys that you can slide in there and maybe get some post offense from Dakari, maybe from Trey Lyles. Uh, you can kind of finagle things a little bit, but uh, you've got no replacement for Willie who can guard all five positions on the other team and, and go into a matchup and, and really say, hey, Willie, take their best player out of the game, and it's done. And. And that's even even with him kind of floating in and out, that's still kind of the element that he brings, you know, that, that makes him different right. from everybody else. I, I think there's parts of Willie, and it, you guys might see it too when you're doing interviews and, and talking and listening to it. I, I think he's probably pretty bored at this point of the season and may need a little bit of more of a challenge than, than other guys to really play at his peak. I think once they get into the tournament, since he missed those games last season and didn't get to take part in in the great run after the, the first round, I think it's really going to mean a lot to him and we'll get the, the most out of Willie for those games. That's a great point, Jeff, because I touched on that earlier and said the start of, of last night's game, these guys look like they've been studying for the SATs for weeks. And they're just ready for the test to come. They 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 just look like okay. We've got these nine postseason games. Let's get to them. Let's what we were brought here to do. I, I kind of get that feeling more than just going through the motions. They're just ready for the postseason at this point. Yeah, re- really are. And I think I wonder too if they're not ready just to get to the you know NCAA part. I'm, I'll be curious to see how they look in the SEC tournament because they've already played these teams. You know, they've already uh, rolled through the SEC schedule. Uh, 
how much how how driven are they going to be? How locked in will they be for those games at Nashville? Yeah, that that's possible. It, I mean, it's postseason, but it's not. It's tournament play, but it's it's not. So yeah, there's you know, like you said, that carrot will be after these games in Nashville when it when it starts in the the big dance. Well, and I think that you're, you're going to see that pro-Kentucky crowd in Nashville, so it'll be even different than if it was at Rupp, because you, you've got a lot of people that don't make it to Rupp that go to the NCAA or the SEC tournament. So I think, you know, those games, I think that crowd support will be there for them uh, if they kind of lose interest in the, uh, in the SEC tournament. Yeah, that that could be definitely the case that it kind of push them over the top if they are kind of going through some of that uh, when they see all that blue in there and you know here to go big blue and CATS stuff that'll that will probably take them to a new level. Just to, to shift gears real quick to football, one tweet I saw you put out right before we went on was the injury to Reese Phillips uh, on allwildcats.com as part of the scott.com network. Uh, what are some of the details that you heard? Of, of, I know he's going to miss spring practice, but just give us a little details about what you wrote him about Reese Phillips being out with an injury. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of a it, it's a bummer for him. Uh, anytime a guy gets injured, it's it's a bad deal. But you know, here's a guy that has a new offensive coordinator coming in, does some things that kind of fits Reese Phillips' game a little bit, and he was going to have a chance to compete in the spring with a uh, kind of a blank slate against Drew Barker and Patrick Tolles because Kentucky's coaches have made it clear that job is totally up for grabs. And, you know, there's a chance he could have come out of that and and won it. And it's going to be really hard for him now, uh, you know, even if he's back at some point in late summer, early fall, uh, to get into that mix, in, in my opinion. And the other side of the equation with that is it puts Kentucky in a precarious spot Max Smith transferred out, so you've only got two scholarship quarterbacks working this spring, and I would say you're going to see those red jerseys on both of those guys and an absolute no uh, contact rule uh, throughout, and and that kind of limits, in my opinion, I, I think the quarterback at some point needs a little bit of that contact to get a, a true feel and a good, true test, so... We're not going to get to see an accurate picture, in, in my opinion, coming out of spring of what the, the Kentucky quarterback situation looks like. That's interesting. And, um, I mean, a lot of practices will be open, and you, you don't have the spring game, so it's just a lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on with the whole renovation and new coordinator. And, yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of dynamics going on going into spring ball. Yeah, it, it should be interesting, especially Shannon Dawson coming in and bringing that offense from West Virginia. I think a lot of people are excited about that and and wanting to see you know you know what it looks like, how it's going to be different from uh, Neil Brown's vision of the the air raid. Uh, from what I'm told, there's quite a few wrinkles, and uh, people will see uh, a, a different look out of this. But uh, I, I'm sure they want to see the ball in the air quite a bit too. Fans do and want to see that uh, <laughs> air raid brought back in, in some capacity. We're talking with Jeff Drummond with AllWildcats.com. Now, Jeff, I know you're a Reds fan and a Steelers fan. Let's get a few thoughts on 
uh, and opinions on both of your your teams on on those fronts. Well, <laughs> hope springs eternal. Uh, every spring training for me with the Reds, I'm I'm an optimist at heart, and uh, I, I'm hoping you know that this is going to be a good year for them. I, the realist part of me thinks they're a little short-handed again, and uh, a lot of things will have to go right for them to to be a contender. Uh, um, the Steeler fan in me uh, can't wait to get to the draft because uh, uh, we've got the all the parts in place to be. In, you know, really tough team next year if they can hit on a couple of guys in the draft and fill a couple of holes. I'm kind of kind of bummed out today about news, hearing some news that Troy Polamalu may be finished, and uh, that's kind of sad for me as a as a fan to see one of the all time greats uh, close to the end. But uh, you know, time marches on and <laughs> catches up with all of us. Yeah, Father Time is undefeated, as they say. Father Time is <laughs> <to> everybody. <laughs> I gotta, Absolutely. I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you a music question too, Jeff. I've you know, been friends with you on Facebook for a while. I don't see every single post, but a few weeks ago, back when it was Grammy time, <clears throat> I saw you put a link up to an article about how you hope to see D'Angelo as part of the Grammys next year, and I couldn't agree more. So, I mean, are, are you a big D'Angelo guy, or oh, yeah. kind of glad to see yeah, him come man. out with an album? Uh, let me just get your thoughts on him as well. Yeah, I was I was in a total uh, geek mode when that album uh came out uh, about a month ago, I guess it was, and it's it's been in yeah. heavy rotation for me. I'm I'm kind of checking out the uh uh kind of his tour information and hoping that he's somewhere within a reasonable drive uh, of us here in Lexington, uh hour, hour and a half maybe uh Cincinnati, Louisville, anywhere. <laughs> Cuz I'd be on the on the road to see that uh puts on a great show and um, that album is definitely, I think, going to get some attention uh, for the Grammys next year. I'll, I'll be there hoping to see him uh, up on the stage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet you some stuff after the show. We had a a husband and wife duo, uh, Malice and Mario Sweet, on the show a few weeks ago. They're from Seattle, uh, R&B kind of soul. Of course, their bucket list deal would be to open for D'Angelo. I'm going to send you some links to their stuff, and, and it was fun yeah. talking to them, and we talked a little bit of music, and, I mean, that just kind of caught my eyes. I was like, look at Jeff Drummond posting about some D'Angelo, so I knew I was going to ask you about it <laughs> when, when uh, we had you on. But you will never know what go... comes up but, uh, on my musical palette. It's as uh, schizophrenic as anybody you'll come across. I've got uh, uh, my line – for people, as always, I've got Bill Monroe sitting next to Public Enemy on my CD rack. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Just a collection so and, and very. If it moves me, I listen to it. That's my rule. <laughs> We're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. So I knew we just had to kind of squeeze it all in. We wanted to talk to you about some U.K. basketball and football. And I know, you know, I'm not a Red North Steelers fan, but I, I like talking with I'm a Cowboys fan, so, you know, we're oil and water on that. That's my wife. I live with your wife. That's right, yeah. She's got the big she got the big star on the side of her car, that big, ugly, blue, metallic star. <laughs> oh, listen to that. Listen. <laughs> hey, she's good she with me. Miss Drummond is good with me. She's, she's giving me a look. Fan. 
I'm in the doghouse. I'm making I'm making peanut butter sandwiches the next three or four days now. <laughs> and we all we all been in there for one reason or another, but oh, I got her back on this one. You know, <laughs> she's and, she's um, slowly she's kind of turning me into one, if you can believe it or not. I. I, I pull for them on uh, Sundays because you know happy happy wife happy life is that what they say? That's, that's what it. they say. That's it. it. <laughs> Words to live by for three married men talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, man, I appreciate you running out to the pharmacy and braving the elements, and then still taking the time to hop on and and give us a shout on our little cat talk show, man. Hey, man, sorry to keep you guys waiting, but I, I really appreciate the invite and. Uh, call me anytime. I'd, I'd be glad to come back home with you. But well, we certainly appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Jeff Drummond of allwildcats.com uh, squeezing us in before the blizzard hits. We appreciate that. Um, you got any soapbox stuff right quick before we, we end this thing? Of course, we got Florida coming up Saturday. Um, your Lakers are winning five to four right now. Uh, Hoosier just, uh, I, I think, just hit a, are just hit a baby hook. Seven to four Lakers. Um, uh, well, well, Florida. Uh, yeah, I don't see the Cats losing this game. Uh, it's going to be senior night. It's going to be an undefeated regular season. I would expect Rupp Arena to be fired up a little bit more than usual. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Cats are comfortable this week. Yeah, and then we move on to Nashville, and like you said, it you know kind of ramp it up the first little phase of the finals, the test they've been studying for for 31 games, and uh, you know the fan base is kind of waiting for it as well. So uh, last time to see this group in Lexington this Saturday, that is going to be special. Um, going to be fun to watch and, you know, going to be still another little dose of revenge. You know, we got revenge against Florida down there, but you definitely want to sweep them the same way that they swept Kentucky last year. So no doubt that'll be on the guys' minds too. Looking forward to Saturday, looking forward to uh, tournament play in the SEC and then NCAA going forward. Uh, Have fun talking about, you know, your Niners and your Lakers and Randall Cobb in free agency and Everything we touched on tonight, appreciate Scott Anderson and Jeff Drummond popping on the, on the show and uh, had another fumble in the books. And also had a great time meeting Tina Cox at lunch. Forgot to mention her. We met Cameron. We met each other. Fun weekend, fun show tonight. What else can you say, man? That's right. Another good one in the books. Vinny, you take care of the snow. I just got a text to my phone that school is out tomorrow as well. So, whew, I don't know when these kids are going to get out of school. Yeah, I was. I picked up uh, Micah, my oldest, today. He's he went every day this week. Um, but you know, one of the teachers or assistant principal kind of brings them out to the car. You know, as the cars come in, and um, they have thirteen allotted snow days, and we use nine down here. So we've got four left. And I was asking her if, you know, coming in, you know, if they miss a bunch more, would they kind of take spring break and use some of those days? Because there was one year that we didn't really even have spring break. We had missed so many 
they took spring break and we kind of went to school that week, and I was cool with that because that meant we could still get out close to normal come summertime. Uh, so she kind of thought that they may do that. They've never done it before. If it gets to that point, they'll kind of have to <laughs> have some discussions on the, the the school board and all that. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of ice and snow situation we got in the morning ourselves. So y'all be safe up there, uh, Miss TB, Big Miss and Little Miss. And uh, I'll be tweeting at you like we do all through the week and then look forward to talking with you uh, this time next Wednesday, bro. That's right. That's right. All right, Vinny. Have a good one. All right. Appreciate everybody listening. This is another episode of Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. <laughs>